Welcome to the Nimrod Outdoors podcast, where we challenge and equip men, husbands, and fathers to become the spiritual leaders of the home. Let's dive right in. Well, what's going on, guys? This is M.A. Dozier with Nimrod Outdoors with another episode for you guys on uh, the Nimrod Outdoors podcast. And we are just coming off an amazing weekend where we had seven guys come down from Hendersonville, North Carolina, from a church that partners with us up there. It's actually Hendersonville Church that partners with us. Uh, and they, they brought seven guys down. And it was just a retreat weekend for them, actually just a 24-hour experience of them as men sharpening each other and diving into God's word. And man, it was, it was awesome. We, we did some worship. We had a, a campfire, uh, got them up early, took them out to the lake in the state park, and we did a sunrise, uh, just quiet time with God individually, uh, and then came back and kept diving into God's word, and conversation just flowed. And some of the guys, even Friday night into Saturday morning, uh, stayed up till I think they said like 3.15 in the morning. Uh, it was just an awesome time uh, for the men to sharpen other men. Um, and it was awesome to see. And that's something that is very missing in the body of Christ today, where men take time to get together with other men uh, and not only just hang out, but also spiritually sharpen each other. And that's kind of going to be the topic of today's episode, because this weekend started off with a quote. Um, the guy that was kind of leading it, uh, his name was Taylor, and he started off Friday afternoon uh, with this quote by A.W. Tozer. Um, I'm going to read it to you, um, and it, it has just been gnawing at my mind uh, all week long. And it says this, it says, A.W. Tozer said this, if a man wants to be used by God, he cannot spend all of his time with people. So I'm going to read it one more time. If a man wants to be used by God, he cannot spend all of his time with people. Um, and this is something that I think is, especially in our society today, it's something that we have a hard time understanding uh, what A.W. Tozer is trying to say here. Um, but I, what what he's trying to say is, is that if we spend all of our time with people, but we don't take time to go to the back to the source of our faith and who God is and take time to build our personal relationship with God, then we are not going to be useful in pouring into other people. Um, you know, I, I look at it this way, like if we're called to be spiritual leaders, um, we can't do this on our own. You know, if, if we talk about David and Goliath and we talk about David defeating Goliath, one thing that always sticks out to me in that, in that passage of Scripture is that David says that the Lord will give you into my hand today. He doesn't say, I will defeat you. King David, at that time as a young boy, knew that his victory was found in God and that the only way that he found victory was through God. And so that is what A.W. Tozer is trying to say is if we're going to set ourselves up for success down the road, we need to make sure that we take time to spend individual quiet time with God uh, so that we can discern his will and his calling in our life, but also so that we can become uh, tethered to him. And, and we'll talk about that more as, as we get into this. But, um, you know, it basically comes down to this. We can't do it on our own, and we need Jesus at every facet of our lives. 
we, we honestly need supernatural intervention in order for us to successfully spiritually lead our families, uh, our kids, uh, our wives, um, and the communities around us. Um, but guys, as men, let's be honest with ourselves. We get so focused on production. Uh, we are production-driven people. You know, it's, it's get up and go to work, you know, no excuses. I mean, that's how I was raised. Um, you know, it was sun up to sundown. You are providing for the family. And if you're not providing, you're lazy. Uh, and that's one thing that like was driven into me as a kid is, you know, nobody likes somebody that's lazy. It is even scripture talking about, you know, look at the ant, you sluggard, you know, how hard does the ant work? And you're just sitting there and doing nothing. And so production is something that is ingrained, I think, into our DNA as men. Uh, but it is also just something that we are raised up in. It is something that um, we see our fathers do. And so therefore, we're like, hey, we we're going to work and we're going to work hard and we are going to produce for our family, whether that is income, whether that is um, opportunities, whether that is uh, activities that we do. Um, but it, we feel like it is on our shoulders to produce. Um, you know, we we don't sit well. And, and a prime example of that is I can remember uh, I had just graduated college. I was working for my dad. Um, I actually delivered batteries uh, on a route system, uh, automotive batteries on a route system for him through Atlanta. Um, and one, one winter, uh, I believe it must have been 2010, uh, we had this massive snowstorm come in. I mean, and it shut Atlanta down. And I can remember I was living with my parents at the time. And uh, I get up and I look outside. I'm like, man, there's snow everywhere. There's no way we're getting getting out. And my dad comes downstairs. He's like, let's go. And I'm like, what are we going to do? And he's like, let's go. We're going to work. And really, in all actuality, all we did was we got in the car and got as far as we could. And then we just sat in traffic because everything was gridlocked. But, you know, that goes to the core of who my dad was. And it goes to basically how he raised me was we're going to do anything but just sit here. We have to do something besides just sit. And so, it, you know, just don't sit around. Be moving, be productive, uh, get get going. And so that's something that, like, as a, as a man now, that just, I don't sit well. I, I have to be moving. I have to be, feel like I'm being successful uh, in whatever pursuits I'm going after. And just sitting still does not do that for me. Um, it's funny because, uh, you know, that's something that I want to see in my own kids. Those are character traits I want to see in my own kids. I, I want my kids to not be lazy. I want them to be people that strive for success and strive for production. Um, and I honestly, uh, back in October, I went on a bear hunt up to North Carolina and, uh, the young guy, uh, took me hunting. I was talking to him and he was like, man, I feel so like, unsuccessful on the day if I'm not up and going by six o'clock I feel like I've wasted the day and I man for me like my heart leapt I'm like man we got a young kid here that like gets it that wants to work hard and that is to my soul you know I want my kids to work hard I love seeing other kids work hard those are attributes as men that we are like man we want society to work hard but the question I have for us is is this a biblical value or is just is this a societal value? Is being production-minded 100%? Is that something that we find in Scripture? Or is that something that is just built into our society um, and our culture today? So is this a biblical value or is this a societal value? And I go back to uh, Luke chapter 
chapter 10, verses 38 through 42, and it's the account of Mary and Martha uh, in their interaction with Jesus. And this just, man, this, this scripture just wrecks me as far as what it means to be a man and, and the production mindset we have. And so I'm going to read this to you. I'm going to be reading out of the English Standard Version or the ESV, and we'll talk about it on the backside. But starting in verse 38, it says, Now they went on their way, and Jesus entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. And Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. So what do we see here? We see these two sisters, Martha and Mary. And we see Martha, who is running around, uh, says that she has a lot of serving to do. So she's probably trying to serve everybody in the house, get meals prepared, uh, get them served, make sure they're having uh, all their glasses are filled and all this stuff. And her sister, uh, Mary, is just sitting at the Lord's feet. And you see Mary or you see Martha come up and she's like, Jesus, tell her to get up and start doing something. She's just being lazy. I mean, that's basically what Martha's saying. And Mary or and Jesus is saying, hey, she has chosen the good portion. She is sitting at my feet, learning about me, interacting with me, building a relationship with me while you're off just running around doing these things. And so I read this and I'm like, okay, I'm Martha to a T. Like I don't sit well. And so if, if there's a task at hand, I want to get up and I want to start doing it. I want, I want to complete it. I want to feel accomplished. Um, I've even told my wife, Chelsea, like I'm loving these podcasts because it fills my time with something that I feel like I'm being productive. I'm not just, there's not a long gap in between, uh, events that we, you know, we do an event and then there's a long gap in between someone else coming and us being able to pour into them. Uh, these podcasts actually fill my time with something where I feel like I'm being productive. Um, and it's funny cause I'm talking about this on a podcast, but, um, you know, what Jesus is saying here is it is more important that we spend time with Jesus than going out and even doing things for Jesus because Martha was preparing this meal for Jesus. But it says that Mary chose the good portion of just being still with Jesus. Um, you know, I, I, as I said, I, I have anxieties of sitting, sitting still. Um, and a, a prime example of that, a story from early on in ministry, as far as Nimrod Outdoors goes, uh, we got our start back in 2013. Uh, we got a, we were able, my family was able to lease a piece of property. And I kind of told my dad, my brother-in-law and my wife, I was like, Hey, you know, we're going to use this for family, but I, I want to use this to engage dads with their kids. And so we'll take them deer hunting and I want to do devotions with them and all that. And they were all on board. And that's kind of how we got started, just doing uh, one or two weekends a year. And it just kept rolling over and rolling over. But I can remember we had this issue and the, the issue was lodging. Like, where are we going to lodge these people? We don't have enough space for it. Um, I didn't really want to use a hotel. I, I wanted it, you know, you'd all, I've always dreamed of having my own hunting lodge. And so that's kind of what I was thinking of. But, 
you know, you always want some on property, on site. So you don't want to have to sleep somewhere and get up extra early to drive, you know, 15, 20 or 30 minutes to a property. You just want to be there. And it is great to walk out the back door and go hunting. Well, I was like scouring everywhere I could to try and find a place for us to lodge. I was contacting churches. I was, you know, anywhere, a rental house. I was like, hey, can we rent this for a weekend? Um, and lo and behold, right beside the property was this little, I mean, it couldn't have been more than like 750 square foot um, house that was built in 1935. Um, and it was run down, it was dilapidated. Um, but I was like, that's it. I was fully convinced that's it. And so I, I started like research. I got on public record. I figured out who owned it. Um, I stalked the dude on Facebook and sent him a message and was like, hey, this is who I am. This is what we do. And I, I want your house. Would you sell us your house? Um, and I can remember my dad just being like, hey, what are you pushing so hard for? And in my mind, I was like, we have to have this. It, it has to be this way. Um, this, is, this is perfect. It's right beside the property. Um, we can lodge, you know, like three people in a bunk room in this thing. And we can start engaging people uh, for the gospel of Christ. And I remember my dad just sat me down and he's like, hey, you ever think that God might have something greater in store for you if you would just slow down, sit with him, and and just align your wants and needs with his will? And basically what my dad was saying was give up everything that you want and need and ask God what does he want for this and for this ministry. Um, and man, that was so hard for me because I'm like, I'm not just going to sit here and just wait for God to plop something in my lap. And he doesn't do that. But if we don't take time to sit and be still with Jesus and really ask, what do you want from us? And, and what is your will in this situation? And honestly, just wait on God's timing and things. Man, we get, we get, especially me, I get so bent out of shape and so like enthralled and, and almost like um, just... Uh, I get passionate about it. Uh, I get it, it becomes addictive to me. It's something. It's a. It's a problem I got to solve. It's something that. It's a wall that I'm going to break through and push forward. Uh, and in my mind, it was all for the kingdom of Christ. How much? How much further can I push this? Uh, and how much more can we do? Um, but in reality, all I was doing was wearing myself out. Um, I was probably annoying the junk out of my wife, uh, and I was. I was devoting way too much time and effort into something that God didn't even want to begin with. But it was something that I thought it, it had to be it. On, on the backside now, I look back and I thank God every day that he didn't give us an opportunity to purchase that house. Um, it, wouldn't have, it wouldn't have worked. It wouldn't have done our needs. Uh, and to be honest with you, two years after we got that lease uh, for that hunting property, um, it sold out from underneath us. And I, I got a call and I, they were like, hey, you, you have 16 hours to get all your stuff off. And it was a mad rush. And so if we had bought that house, we would have been stuck with a house with no property. Um, and so my dad's wisdom there, even though I pushed it to the side and I, I didn't want to have anything to do with it. Now, looking back, I, I'm so thankful for my dad speaking that to me. And it's a lesson I can learn. Um, but what we really need to do is we need to find time to intentionally build time in our daily routine for Jesus. And if we're not doing that, then we can't hear what Jesus is trying to tell us to do. We, we can't discern the calling on our life or the decision we need to make in a situation um, unless we are daily tethering ourselves to Christ. And we see that Jesus himself 
modeled this for us, and we, we see it in uh, the book of, uh, book of Mark in chapter 1, verses 29 through 39. Um, and this scripture, man, it, again, it just it shows to the heart, uh, to the core of my heart of, man, I'm, I'm just getting it wrong, um, and it, it baffles me. But starting in verse 29, it says, he imme- um, And immediately he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simeon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simeon's mother-in-law was ill with a fever, and immediately they told him about her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and the fever left her, and she began to serve them again. Then in verse 32, it says, That evening at sundown they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons, and the whole city gathered together at the door. And so what you see here is an entire city. It says the whole city gathered at the door and they brought all the sick and everybody that needed to be healed to Jesus at the door. You pick up, um, it says that he, he healed people and he cast out many demons. Um, and it, in verse 35, it says, And rising very early in the morning, while it was dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place. And there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, Let's go on to the next towns that I might preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went throughout all of Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and casting out demons. So what you see here is you see that Jesus spent an entire evening healing and casting out demons. And it says the next morning, what did he do? He immediately got up. And it says that he uh, went out while it was still dark and departed and went to a desolate place, and there he prayed. Basically, it's saying he got alone. He got alone with God, and he prayed. And what I find interesting is, is when Simon came and, found, came and found him, they said, everyone is looking for you. So I can imagine this, like he's healed all these people, and the word keeps traveling, and so there, daylight comes, and more people are being brought to him to be healed. But what does Jesus say? He says, let's go on because I have come to preach. That is why I came. And so he knew right then and there that if he had stayed in that city and continued to heal, he would never have left. He would have just stayed there because he would have been so inundated with, uh, with healing people that he wouldn't have actually got around to doing what God had called him to do. And so by him getting out or spending time with God, Jesus was able to discern the will of the Lord. And I, I actually heard a good friend of mine who's a pastor. Um, he said this, he said, can you, be, can you imagine being the person standing in line that was next in line? And Jesus said, hey, it's time for me to go. Um, think about that for a minute. The key is here is that Jesus was perfectly discerning and living out the will of God in his life. Even though we have our own expectations, and even though to everyone around him, productivity looked like healing people. God had a better purpose and a much more impactful purpose for Jesus. And so by him going out and praying, he spent time with God and was able to discern God's will in his life. You also see this in Matthew 26, 36, where it says that he prayed, uh, he got away, the disciples fell asleep, but he prayed and he was like, Lord, if this is your will or, you know, take this cup for me, uh, but not my will, your will be done. Uh, that is a time in which he got away. And then in Luke 15 or Luke chapter five, verse 16, you also see that it says that he often 
um, retreated to the wilderness to pray. Um, so Jesus is modeling for us what we as men need to understand is that we need to spend quality time with Jesus or with God, and we need to make that a priority in our life. And if we can do that, then we can correctly discern God's will and his calling in our life, and we can spiritually lead others. But if we are constantly trying to pour into others without going back to the source of where our victory lies, and that is with Jesus, then we just become like Martha, and we get flustered, and we get wore out, and we do nothing really except for just cause a scene. Um, but here's a big question that, that kind of comes to mind when I think about all this is, what is the most impactful thing Jesus did while on earth? And immediately, my mind would go to, well, he died on the cross for us uh, to save us from our sins. And while that is a big thing, I would almost argue now, after kind of contemplating this and reading over this, is that him spending time alone with God was the most impactful thing he did. <clears throat> See, that is what kept him tethered to God and allowed him to understand God's plan and ultimately allowed him to discern God's will. And that's ultimately what sent him to the cross to pay the debt we were owed. See, even though Jesus was fully, fully God and fully human, he still was fully human. So he had human flesh. And so therefore he had, he, he had to live a life just like we do here. It says that he, uh, is the great high priest that he is tempted in every way we're tempted and he walked the way we walk so that he could um, rightly uh, feel what we feel so that he can be merciful and compassionate on us as humans. And so with that, you know, he had human, he had the fleshly desires of a human. And you see that plain and clearly when he was praying in the garden and said, Lord, will you take this from me? He didn't want to do it. He didn't want to go to the cross for us because that was his human flesh saying, if there was any other way to do this besides pain and suffering, let's figure that out. But if he had not taken time to spend, spend intentional time praying and discerning what God's will is, then would he have actually gone to the cross or would his flesh have taken over? There's no scripture on that. It's just kind of the way my brain works. But... <clears throat> I adamantly believe that God or that Jesus had to spend quality time with God in order to discern his will so that he could walk perfectly to the cross and die on the cross for us. So I once heard it said like this, and this is from Pastor Joby Martin. He's the lead pastor of uh, Church of 1122 in Jacksonville, Florida. And he was doing a, um, I guess, a devotion for men. Uh, and he was talking about the men's, our, as, us as men, our fault on being productivity driven. And, and he said this statement, and I've written it out. It's on my Bible. It is something that I look at daily, and it just drives me. And he says this, that proximity to Jesus should be more valuable than our productivity for Jesus. So basically what we're saying is we need to value more spending time, quality time with Jesus than doing stuff for Jesus. And that goes into effect with that quote from A.W. Tozer of, if we want to be used by God, we cannot spend all our time with people. We have to spend a good quality time with God in order to discern exactly what he wants us to do. And so, men, my question for you today and my challenge for you today is, 
Are you intentionally finding time to sit with Jesus at, at his feet and say, hey, what do you want of me? And I'm going to sit here until you tell me to do something. I will not move. I will not, I will not get distracted. I'm just going to sit here in your presence learning who you are and trying to understand your will and your calling on my life. And when you tell me to get up and go, I will jump and go as fast as I can. But until that moment, I'm going to sit here and just revel in who you are. So what does that look like in your life? You know, for me, every morning I have about a 25-minute drive, and it's in the dark um, to go to work. And so that is my time. I, I sit there, and that 25 minutes, I'm just dwelling on who God is what he's done in my life. And I, I'm asking him, I'm like, what do you want from me today, Lord? Um, that's a 25-minute window. Maybe for you it's a 10-minute window. Maybe it's a 5-minute window. Maybe it's 20 minutes. Maybe it's a 24-hour period where, uh, you know, once a month you find a, a day to just get away to refresh yourself as a man. Uh, maybe uh, quarterly it looks like a weekend retreat where you get away. Maybe you do something like what these guys from Hendersonville, North Carolina did at Hendersonville Church. They got a group of guys together, and they came down for a 24-hour weekend in- intensive of just, hey, I'm gonna, I'm just going to lay it all out there. We're going to dive into God's Word, and I'm going to ask hard questions. Um, and I'm going to allow men to push back on me, and I'm going to allow men to sharpen me. Um, and so you cannot expect to be used by God if you do not take the time to sit at his feet. That is something that we need to all understand. And just like Joby Martin said, our proximity to Jesus needs to be priority over our productivity for Jesus. If we are going to spiritually lead well, guys, we need to make sure that we are tethered to the source of where our victory lies, and our victory lies in Jesus and Jesus alone. Stay humble, stay focused, and keep pressing on. Y'all have a great week. We'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed the message. If you would like to learn more about the ministry of Nimrod Outdoors, find us on Facebook or look us up at nimrodoutdoors.com. We hope you have a great day and we hope to see you next time.